a wonderful place called Bethlehem. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to read a couple of verses in just a few minutes here. And uh, it talks about a prophet who made a trip into Bethlehem. There's a wonderful parallel between this passage in Bethlehem and the Bethlehem Christmas story that we have. And so I want to look at that. Uh, let's start here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you've got it open, verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably. That verse kind of sounds like the verse in Luke 2 where Herod was uh, uh, angry or, or feared and the whole city feared with him. And so that's we see that little parallel there as well. Bethlehem has been significant in biblical history uh, all throughout the Bible. Much of the book of Ruth took place in the little town of Bethlehem. It was a place where they fed and the sheep through the winter. Uh, lots of these sheep would be used later in sacrifice. And these were, by the way, the shepherds that the angels appeared to at the birth of Christ years later. And the shepherds' uh, caves were there that uh, they had, and this is the type of cave that many people think that Jesus was born in, uh, that type of a stable. They kind of made a stable where they kept those animals during the cold nights, and this is where Jesus was born. Now, in our text, Samuel is at a place in his life where he's discouraged. The man that he had anointed as king, and you probably remember the story, he didn't want to anoint a king in the first place. The Israelites came to him and demanded a king. In fact, they begin with such wonderful praises to Samuel as saying, You're old and useless. We want a king. That's basically what they came and told Samuel after long years of service that he had given. Well, he was saddened then, and now he's saddened again because the man that he had anointed, Saul, had disobeyed God. He had become a great disappointment. He was a selfish leader, a godless leader, and now uh, Samuel is grieving. And then <clears throat> we see some similarities here at the outcome of what happened at Bethlehem. Here is where David was anointed as the next king, and here is also where years later Jesus would be born. One of the things we see here in both uh, stories, the Christmas story and the story here in 1 Samuel 16, is that grief can be overcome. The Bible starts with saying, how long wilt thou mourn? That's what he's asking. Uh, the Lord is asking Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn? There is something that's going to happen in Bethlehem that's going to take the mourning away. Can somebody say amen to that? In both places, here in 1 Samuel 16 and at the birth of Christ. This is a time of the year, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, that is especially difficult for some people, especially for those who've lost loved ones. I was thinking the other day, <clears throat> every year for the first 30 years of my life, uh, we had Christmas at my grandparents. 
And uh, after we were married, we did it every other year, but we always made sure everybody came at the same off year. And it was a big get-together. And the last, the latter part of uh, the last 10 years of it, we had to rent churches and halls just to get everybody in there. We would have uh, all the cousins. We would have a program. The kids would sing. Uh, we would do skits. We would uh, play instruments and just have a great time together laughing and enjoying each other. And it would be something that we remembered throughout the year. But they are gone now, my grandparents, both of them. Uh, we no longer go uh, meet together with all the cousins anymore. We have grown our own families now, and now our families come to our house. You've uh, surely experienced what I'm talking about. Time marches right on, doesn't it? Uh, folks go home to be with the Lord. Our families are separated through distance and uh, sometimes even through trouble and trials. And so it's hard on some families, and there is grief that they go through. It's a reminder that we do not have what we once had. And so, especially at Christmas time, sometimes we experience some of that grief. But you see, you can put away your grief and sorrow when you come to Bethlehem. What happened in the Christmas story at Bethlehem gives us hope in a time of sorrow. Had Jesus not born, been born, had he not lived among us, had he not died for us, uh, we would be in an entirely different situation tonight. Had he not risen again uh, the way that he did. But praise God, he did come, he did live here, he did die on a cross, and he did rise again for us on the third day. That can give us victory over sorrow. Now, this story, the Christmas story, that we tell our children and that hopefully we read and focus on during this season of the year. It's more than just a warm and fuzzy story that we tell our children. The King of Kings was born that night. The Messiah, the Savior, the one who is going to take care of our sin condition. Now the first Christmas, the whole world was oblivious to the significance of that simple birth in that stable. But heaven was not oblivious. The angels broke forth in songs of praise to the shepherds. Do you remember that? When the heavens opened up and they're singing glory, hallelujah, at the birth of the newborn king. Uh, the, the child's birth meant deliverance for mankind. The angel told Joseph, he will save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. Boy, it was a big deal in heaven that night because they knew what it was all about. Mary and Joseph probably didn't even really understand all that was happening. The shepherds surely didn't understand everything that was happening. The wise men were out for a, uh, to seek to find out what was going on. But everything changed from the moment that Jesus Christ was born. Even our calendar system uh, changed from B.C. to A.D., Everything pivots on the point when Jesus Christ was born. He was entering the world to be the final and ultimate sacrifice for sin. Jesus was going to die for the sins of the world, and he knew it. He was doing it willingly. This is the whole point of the incarnation. The important issue of Christmas is not so much that Jesus came, but why Jesus came. There was no salvation in his birth. Now, that's one reason why people don't have a problem with a baby. They don't have a problem with the baby Jesus, baby in a manger. 
Nor was the sinless way that he lived his life. Uh, that did not have any redemptive powers for us as well. People don't have a problem with Jesus as a good person. Uh, for example, as flawless as Jesus was, that life could not rescue us from our sins. Even his teachings, the greatest truths that would be ever revealed to man, could not save us from our sins. There was a price that needed to be paid for our sins. Someone had to die, and only Jesus could do it. Jesus came to earth, of course. He came to reveal God to mankind. But he had one more reason for coming. Jesus Christ came to die. I want to remind you of that every single Christmas that Jesus Christ was born for the very purpose of dying. When you and I are born, we're born for the purpose of living, but he was born for the purpose of dying. Here's a side to the Christmas story that's often uh, airbrushed a little bit away, and sometimes we don't focus on it because it's not a pleasant focus. But those soft little hands of that baby that were fashioned by the Holy Spirit in the mother's womb, in Mary's womb, were made so that nails might be driven through them. Those little pink baby feet, those perfect little feet that uh, were unable to walk, would one day stagger up a hill and be nailed to a cross. That sweet little baby's head with sparkling eyes and the silky hair was formed so that one day a man could jam a crown of thorns down over his brow. That tender body, wrapped and de delicate, wrapped in swaddling clothes, one day would be ripped open by a spear. Jesus, my friend, was born to die. What a truth. What a... And that is one cause for our celebration, that we have a Messiah that came for us. It wasn't just another baby. It was the Messiah. It was the very one that would save us from our sins. It's appropriate to commemorate, I believe, the birth of Christ. Now, I kid once in a while that, uh, that my kids would even tell you that I'm a uh, somewhat can be a little bit of a Scrooge when it comes to Christmas, uh, but I do want to commemorate the birth of Christ. Uh, there's some aspects of it, like the uh, the commercialization that I don't like quite so much, but I do like the time of the year that we have to commemorate our Savior's birth. But don't make the mistake of leaving him as a baby in the manger. Keep in mind that his birth the birth of Christ was just the first step of God's redemptive plan for mankind. He would live a life of poverty. He would die a criminal's death. He would be buried in a borrowed tomb. His friends would forsake him. His followers would deny him. But hallelujah, he would come out of that tomb three days later. As we have sang today and Rich's song tonight and the old rugged cross this morning I, I think it's some great reminders that we have that it's not just a baby that was born it's a savior that was born and along with it uh, as a Christian we look at that perfect scene and we can't help but remember that there's a lot of ugliness attached even to the Christmas story because we know what happens next and we know the life that he led and the tremendous trials that he went through and the torture and even death that he went through on our behalf but he won victory over that death and that's so important for us to realize tonight that it was because of 
our sin. It was your and my sin and the, and the sin of all the world uh, that makes death our future for the wages of sin is death. But because of your sin and mine, one day we will die. But the verse doesn't end there, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God, as Paul said, for his unspeakable gift. Amen, that we have. That's what we are commemorating when we give gifts one to another. Uh, we're commemorating the fact, or we should be, of the great gift that Jesus Christ gave us by coming and dying for our sins. Any gift that you get this Christmas pales in comparison to that unspeakable gift. Let's not forget that Jesus is the reason for this season. Thank him for that gift. When you have Christmas Day with your family and the kids around, maybe it's Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, whenever you do your thing, take a moment. Uh, read out of Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. Remind everyone what we're celebrating. Remember the day for what it is. It's not just about presents. It's about remembering the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us on Calvary. But it all began in Bethlehem. Wonderful, wonderful Bethlehem. Bethlehem brought Samuel peace again. Bethlehem will bring you peace again because of who was born there that night so long ago. Can I encourage you this season? Remember what it's all about. Let's teach our children what it's all about. It's not about a fat guy in a red suit. Amen? It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not forget it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your unspeakable gift. We're grateful to you. We want to glorify you every day of our lives, but especially this week, we want to focus on what you did for us. The world around us may make it about commercialization. It might make it about uh, shopping and different things that, uh, of, of a worldly nature, but Lord, we want to remember in our hearts what we're celebrating. Help us to teach our children and remember to keep you first in our families as we go throughout even this week. We'll give you the glory for what you do, and we certainly want your blessings on all that we partake of this coming week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for coming tonight, being with us, and we invite you over in the fellowship hall. We've got some cookies and treats, and we want to be able to uh, have some fellowship with you and, and being flanked. I, I need my security. Where is my security when I need it? <laughs> Go ahead. Well, we are as a people here at, at Bible Baptist Church are, are a blessed people. Um, you know, Christmas is all about gifts, and uh, you know, for each other and so on. But you know, God granted this ministry a wonderful gift six years ago when we had a man come and take uh, the helm of Bible Baptist Church. And, uh, you know, he's seen his ups and he's seen his downs. And uh, I'm thankful that he's stayed by this stuff and continued to be a gift to us, as well as another man that, that joined our, our ranks. And, and uh, I'm thankful for both of them. Um, I want to read two verses to you here, and uh, then I'll get on out of the way here so we can go have some cookies. Amen. But it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I want you to focus in on that one word 
in, chapter, or in verse 11 there, it says, and he gave. Jesus gave 